Well, well, well. Isn't that the first bonus episode of Seasonal Explorations podcast? Welcome everyone to the Seasonal Piscean Treat. It's Eva, Cristina and Alia tuning into the frequencies of the universe. Hello everyone! <laughs> so lovely to be hanging out here in this seasonal ass sphere with you again for the second time this month. <laughs> to dive with you deeper into the 12th house, which is ruled by Pisces energy, into these endless Piscean topics of imagination, fantasy, dreamland, whoo, deeper subconscious realms and higher connection with the divine, the field of transcendence and oneness. Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> Alia, for those of you out there who might be tuning in with us for the first time, would you maybe give a little welcome speech? <laughs> yes, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. If this is the first time you're tuning in, we are very happy to have you here. So this little episode is just, as Eva Christina said before, it's a little bonus because we totally ran out of time last time and we realized, okay, we've been on air for two hours and we haven't even started the topic. So today's episode is going to be all about intuition. So it's going to be a little bit like zooming in to a specific topic that is related to the Piscean energy and to the 12th house and other topics that we elaborated on with um, in our previous episode. So may I give you a suggestion to pair it with the previous episode because it's going to go together ni very nicely. Mm. But today we are going to focus really on everything about intuition, you know, what is intuition in the first place? How do we use it? How do we know we're using our intuition versus just listening to our ego? What are some ways in which we can connect with it better? What is some ways in which we can strengthen our relationship to it? So these are going to be the main questions we're going to be answering today and the topics we're going to be diving in. Yeah, lovely. You know, it's really interesting. I just realized that I've done all of the last, what, four episodes in different locations. I've been time traveling mega. Like, I've been living in so many different time zones, connecting to coaching clients who are in different time zones, then doing another coaching program training for myself that is, again, on the other side of the world. And such a nice Piscean manner, hey? <laughs> and yeah it's it's i'm happy to now report from bali which i was very deeply intuitively guided it's really interesting how um watching the astrological cycles i'm really able to observe how my journey to where i'm now has been supported and acknowledged by the planetary transits as well coming from one lunar cycle to another and activating the specific houses that are indicating or supporting me in this transition and it's been a real 
journey of trusting my intuition and making those necessary steps that felt uncomfortable at times and yeah it really I feel like is paying off so <laughs> when we talk about tuning into our intuition listening to our intuition it's like what is it that we are tuning into what is this mysterious intuition everyone has been talking about like does everyone have it are mm. is everyone able to connect to their intuition yeah it's a it's a cool topic because i feel when we talk about intuition in our world we got so used to the fact that we always make decisions with our minds then talking about intuition you know people talk about the sixth sense and it almost sounds like it's some sort of magic and it's some sort of supernatural <laughs> ability whereas in reality intuition is so much more ancient and so much more fundamental than our mind is evolutionarily it precedes the development of our brains as such of our mind as such and the way i see intuition is just you know our mind tends to just scream louder that's really what it is right so we need to just be able to reconnect with it and give it space for it to emerge and trust that it will guide us to the right place, even though it may not make sense. I think this is one of the biggest things that prevents people from following their intuition, that following your intuition means that sometimes things will be unpredictable, right? Mm -hmm. You can't, you don't have the same level of security it seems like it, should I say rather, right? Because you're relying on the support of the universe. You're relying on your body giving your signals. You're relying on your being able to channel some knowing from the higher realms, whatever you want to call it, that is not dependent on you being able to consciously make a decision about it. And because of that, your brain can freak out because it's like, I don't understand why we're doing this. It doesn't match the like weighing sort of right. pros and cons of things. And this is where I really see we tend to detach from our intuition. It's through overthinking and trying to control. So can you repeat again, how would you define what intuition even is? Because I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, intuition is often seen as this mysterious force, almost mm. like a saint or a spiritual ghost somewhere up there. Um, but yeah, how, how would you put it in concrete terms? All right. That's my definition of it. Ready for it? I don't know if it's right. It's how I understand it. So my definition of intuition would be that this is our ability to acquire information and make decisions that are not based in the thinking mind. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we make certain decisions and it's not that we process information in our mm -hmm. conscious mind while thinking about the pros and the cons and weighing things and putting them in context, the context of what is happening and sort of weighing the situation and overthinking and over-rationalizing it. This is how mm -hmm. most people make decisions these days. And it's how we're taught to make decisions. It's how we're taught, you know, to be rational. But actually, our mind is a, one of the ways that we can process the world around us and one of the ways that we can understand it, but it's not the only one. And when it comes to intuition, we're talking about tuning into the other modalities that can give us 
sometimes they can give us information in the ways of processing our reality. So it can be a little like ping of understanding of being like, oh, like, whoa, like kind of an aha moment. But it can also happen without us consciously understanding why. So, for example, you were talking, you know, about being guided to Bali, right? And we may be yeah. guided to certain <laughs> places, to certain people. And you may not know why. Yeah, you may yeah. not be aware of why you need to go to that place. But you just have this feeling of this is the right thing for me to do. And yeah. it can be very difficult because other people may ask you to explain yourself. I mean, like, why the heck do you need to do that? Exactly. No, people ask me all the time. So why did you move there? I'm like, well, it I have me. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do there? Well, I don't really know. I don't have a plan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in our world, we're so obsessed with security and knowing the next mm. steps and planning and being safe, which makes sense because... It's what makes our nervous systems feel secure, which prevents us from experiencing heavy emotions, right? But that aside, it is actually in a way contraction and making your world smaller because you're not willing to take a leap of faith and trust and trust in the divine timing and divine guidance of you getting to where you need to be. Mm. Yeah, so you already opened up some key pillars into which we're going to go deeper into, like um, the fear around uh, these intuitive callings and the trust that needs to be cultivated, or it helps if we cultivate it in the sense <laughs> of following our intuition. And yeah, you know, I also see intuition as our internal GPS that mm. is kind of revealing to us the highest and best path of our lives. It is guiding us towards the highest potential of our human avatar and beyond that, perhaps. But it is also the way that the universe, God, or whatever you want to call it, this mysterious web of infinite love, um, we discussed more of that in the main Pisces episode, but yeah, this is how this higher guidance flows to us and moves us or directs us toward the things that are going to be of our highest evolution. So in a way, it is that inner wisdom, or I could also rephrase it to our most natural state of wisdom that comes with this mm, strong, inherent, deep sense of power inner power, personal power, which is something that I feel in today's world and actually any other time in human history has been one of the crucial states of being for us to embody more of. So I think it's really interesting on the, like the note on which we started, like tuning into the in tuning into intuition or going to our intuition to seek answers. It's interesting because I was thinking about this word of phrase, this play of phrasing, how intuition is always put in the form of a noun, right? Hmm. Now, how would it be if we moved towards the verb? Because this noun kind of puts intuition outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But actually, it is one of the core channels that we have. So from the noun, going into the verb, and being like, I don't ask my intuition, but in a way, I intuit 
something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So how can we start intuiting, naturally sourcing this power from within? And yes, sure, it can be a specific frequency or energetic stream in which we're tuning into because, you know, one could argue intuition is this higher consciousness, this higher wisdom, higher, deeper wisdom, whatever you want to phrase it. Um, but something we discussed in the previous episode is how everything is interconnected. So this higher power is the power that resides within you too. And so it is always, always, always um, available to us. But there are different ways in which we are able to tune into that energetic stream or ignite this frequency within. So yeah, like you kind of already touched upon, intuition is flowing through us or we're able to recognize it in many different ways and it is very specific to every individual. Uh, for example, some might have a gut instinct, right? That gut feeling that kind of just mm -hmm. tells you what is that deeper truth. Or it comes like an intuitive hit out of nowhere, a flash of ideas that kind of come in creative manners. Or perhaps it can be a gentle voice of wisdom, a body wisdom even. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Alia, how do you recognize your own intuitive hits? Yeah, so for me, that's an area I'm still exploring quite a lot. It comes in a couple of different ways for me. So where to start? <laughs> um, if we go into this, you know, you can talk about like the what people would call some of the psychic gifts or whatever. Um, some people would call it, you know, clairvoyance and like clair audience and so on. You know, there's just like a couple of things, but all it means, like all of these clairvoyance, clairaudience, they just describe all of the senses, right? It just means that the way intuition comes to you is either through visual uh, um, auditory input, olfactory input, so smell, you know, it can be, or it can be the what's called claircognizant, which is kind of like, you just know, and you don't know why you know, but you just know. And for me, the way I get these hits is one is the visual. So it can be like that all of a sudden you kind of just see a, you know, you're kind of, um, it may be, sometimes you may be pondering something or you may be kind of just like floating somewhere and some connections happen. Um, in the way my brain works in a really weird way when it kind of just makes like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then a bunch of connections all at the same time. And then it comes in kind of like a, this firework when you have like a whole picture inside of you and you can see things and they fit perfectly together. Yeah, it's like, it's really, it's really interesting. And that comes in combination with what would be called also like, um, like claircognizant. When you, for example, you can hear something or you hear yourself say something and you just know it to be true. You know, when it's like, on the one hand, when you're sometimes thinking a lot and pondering things, you're kind of second guessing yourself. And I have that a lot, for example, if I'm, you know, doing something like scientific work and I'm looking at different hypotheses and you're kind of going like this pure mental way of doing things and you don't really know what's true right you have a couple of options but it's all kind of like eh, I don't really know and then on the other side it's this thing when you either hear something or you come up with an idea or something happens and you just know it to be true 
and no one needs to prove it to you no one needs to say anything you're not second guessing it but it's just like there this completely solid certainty about it being the way it is so this is the way i kind of connect with these parts of me that give me information beyond of just like thinking and overthinking things these are the primary two modalities mm, um, what is it for you yeah it's interesting like this is something that i was diving deep or deeply into when i was starting to read akashic records because mm -hmm. there it's literally like a channeling right receiving yeah. those cosmic informations yeah. and processing them and that's why it's so important to know what kind of a reader or i don't know what a reader or an i don't want to say a channel that sounds a little weird to me but you know <laughs> what i mean what kind of a interpreter you're or a storyteller you're gonna go to because it's always gonna be filtered through a person it's basically mm -hmm. the way that i see this um these cosmic messages coming through is like in light codes and then sometimes it's kind of overwhelming of okay how do i put this in <laughs> tangible tangible manners um yeah. and hearing about other people's experiences how they're seeing things like a film being displayed in played in front of their eyes or hearing a voice in their head and we start to imagine what all this could look like or you see these channels where it looks like they get possessed and they change their voices mm -hmm. and whatever. And I had this conversation with my mom um, a few weeks ago where she asked me about one of these channels, this woman who's channeling um, certain higher entities. And she asked me, well, like, because she does change her voice and her posture and everything. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, do you think this is true? And First of all, I don't think this is the most important questions we should ask ourselves when either listening to someone else um, channeling this higher intuitive messages. It is more of, well, what does it do to you? How is it true or not true for you? What is the effect that it has on your own reality? And the second one is, um, we are always tapping into some kind of a different energetic streams. Like we are energetic beings, being in our energetic sovereignty and in our, you know, cultivating our own energy field does not mean that now we are pure from external streams. It's all mixed up. It's all a flow in a way. So of course she's channeling something or someone or, hmm. And then when it comes to changing the way that this is channeled, it's like whatever helps you tune into those frequencies deeper, whatever helps you connect to your intuitive flow more. So if that means you do weird postures and weird faces and speak in a really weird voice, so be it, you know? Um, yeah, so for me, it really got refined through practicing Akashic records and it's a bunch of different modalities and that's the thing sometimes 
one way is going to be highlighted other times it's going to be a completely new <laughs> way of interpreting so it might be yeah truly receiving images or like a little film playing in front of your eyes that is a strong um, modality for me other times it just might come as an intuitive knowing it's just like you know it as if it has happened or perhaps it's a it's a story full of metaphors and examples this is what symbols and myths have been offering us for centuries like in different ancient philosophies full of these anecdotes and kind of bloody stories if we're honest <laughs> but through these examples expanding our imagination it also expands our mm, capability to receive yeah it's really it's really fascinating yeah and sometimes it is going to be a voice but it's not going to be my voice it has a different tone to it and I, you know, this tone of voice, I think, is very important in distinguishing whether it is intuition or conditioning, the ego speaking, coming from the mind, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when I say the tone of voice, it doesn't have to be a literal voice. It can also be just a sense of energy that you get, the vibes, right? Uh, so... Mm, I would like to open up this uh, question a little more. How do we distinguish whether these messages are coming from our ego, if they're fear-based, or whether they are our intuitive hits and points? I mean, yeah, I think the, the most important part you already mentioned, right? A lot of the time, if it's um, conditioning, it's going to go towards fear and it's going to go towards contraction. Mm. Right. It can be this kind of, you may call it intuitive, but it may more be like this voice telling you to go away from a situation where you may feel uncomfortable. And when there is some sort of a potential for you to experience something negative um, based on what has happened to you previously in the life. Right. And I personally would say that it can be very challenging to distinguish between the two. Oh, yeah. Um, I would I would. I would say it's the best thing is to try to tap into the energetics behind it of what it is. And that kind of tells you a little bit more where you are at, right? Is it like, because it can be also fear of something new, right? Like you're moving to Bali. Oh, absolutely. And usually when we are intuitively guided, this intuition, it is inviting us to step forward to step out of our comfort zone yes to embody new ways of being right? exactly exactly but i feel that that's almost like an expansive fear if that makes sense it's like a fear when you're like mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. i'm scared but like it's fear because i may be doing something new and something i don't know but it mm -hmm. feels like you're being more of you through doing that, right? Like you're expanding some horizons. It's, it feels aligned in a way. It's like fear I'm willing to go through because it's going to help me become, become someone else. Whereas the other fear is oftentimes guiding you more into the direction of like, let's repeat what we have done 1000 times before 
because we're shit scared of experiencing something else. Because if it's conditioning, it's not the first time you're experiencing that. So yeah. I think this is where I would draw the main distinction between the two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been living in these survival mechanisms for so long. We've spoken about coping mechanisms in the fir- in the previous yeah. episode. And I mean, they are here for a reason, right? One of the functions of our brain is to keep us safe. So in a way, it is just doing its job. But then it's up to us to recognize when it is starting to limit us. We have exactly. talked about this plentiful. But yeah, like we said, any kind of big moves or changes that are usually intuitively guided are gonna also be scary as fuck because they're uncomfortable for our nervous systems they're unfamiliar and so oftentimes with this intuitive guidance there also comes a sense of confusion Um, something trying to convince us to uh, something trying to convince us out of these big moves exactly I I think there is no way around fear. I feel like so often we want to escape this fear and make it wrong because as human beings, we are so good at making ourselves wrong. Or, you know, even like in my story of moving to Indonesia, it's, I've been really struggling of, am I making the right decision? Because I, I have gotten different intuitive hits. Like I was also being shown uh, South America and Central America and so what is the right decision here mm-hmm. so the fear was really about getting it right <laughs> or getting yeah. it wrong actually but yeah. the thing is that fear is our teacher it is carrying important information so instead of trying to erase this fear how can we aim to walk with it to understand it and allow it to expand us. I think um, fear is an important counterbalance, that opposite that is actually bringing more depth to intuition and helps us even recognize the contrast. Because if we didn't know the fear, we wouldn't know the deep knowing and the trust that is on the other side. So in a way, this fear is natural, it is okay, And it is an important step because it's invitation to connect deeper with ourselves. It is like a doorway or mm, a portal through which we can tap into more of that intuitive knowing to find that courage to step through. Now, the problem arises when this fear rules our lives, paralyzes us and doesn't allow us to grow and move forward. And, um, you know, we've been again saying this again and again, um, that don't fear the fear, but try to understand it and befriend it. So how can we get curious about it? And like you said, tuning into the energetics, listening to it real good. Mm, yeah. I, I think one thing that's also important really to think about here is the fact that If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in personal growth in one way or another. (laughs) And if you're interested in personal growth, right, it means you're interested in the direction in which the universe wants you to go because the universe calls us into Mm. expansion. And that doesn't stop, right? Expansion keeps happening. Every time you expand, it means you leave your comfort zone. 
every time you're going to expand, there is going to be fear and there is going to be discomfort. Um, I heard like, maybe I shared this in one of the previous episodes really early on, but I heard this really great sentence. (laughs) Change is an acquired taste. And I think this is so important to understand because fear always comes with change, always comes with novelty, always comes with expansion. And I think a, a bit more of a grounding perspective on fear, the way you can think about it is also with a little bit of this detachment of understanding that fear is a physiological mechanism that your body is experiencing, your nervous system is experiencing in the face of something you don't know. Now, it's not necessarily telling you about how the thing is going to end. It's not telling you about how it's going to go. It's just telling you it doesn't know it. And it is at the end of the day, just a collection of physical sensations that are really uncomfortable right? You can call it autonomic arousal if you want to, but we're talking about cortisol, adrenaline, all of these things that come into play. And so a really good thing here can be also just thinking about ways to calm your nervous system and calm your body through breathing and sitting with it and being present and staying present with it rather than trying to escape it, right? Go back to the previous episode if you want to learn everything about escapism. But again, instead of trying to run away from difficult emotions, difficult sensations, difficult feelings, which are inherently present in the sensation of fear. What happens if you sit with it? What happens if you listen to it? And what happens if you just allow it to teach you whatever it has to teach you? And, you know, what stories teach us over and over again. And what we all discover is that at the end of the day, we realize that there's no point in being afraid. Like fear is an illusion. There is nothing at the greater scheme of things that we need to be afraid of. I mean, so I'm going to say there is a point of being afraid because like I said before, I see it as a doorway, as an invitation to go deeper. So it does play a functional role as long as we don't as we don't allow it to completely take over. Certainly, certainly it does it does play a role, right? But this exactly what you said now, the point of fear right? What it's trying to do is to paralyze us, right? It's trying to tell us not to move forward and we need to be able to go through. No, I think it's trying to keep us safe. Exactly. But that's normally how, right? That's the thing. I don't want fear to make the bad guy. You know, I don't see fear as the bad guy. No, but I mean, you know, fear will normally tell you when you're standing at the edge of a cliff, right? Let's say you want to do bungee jumping. Fear is telling you don't jump right? That's what fear ideally would do. Because there's a possibility you will die. (laughs) It is, but is it really, right? Like rationally, when you start rationalizing, it's like, okay. And then of course, if you go really beyond it, you can say, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I can die and it's really not that bad, right? But that's like, that's a whole next level to it. But it's it's important to understand that our fear oftentimes is trying to prevent us from taking the step. And when we are guided there intuitively, it is important sometimes to look at the fear, say, I understand you, I see you, I know why you're here, I know that you want what's best for me, and I disagree, and I'm going to try and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we actually agree at the core, but we're coming from a few different perspectives. and I think so. Yeah, I would really like to maybe offer mm, like a checkpoint point list or a little exercise through which 
we all can go through when experiencing this fear to kind of check in whether it is the when receiving these messages whether it is the voice of fear or a voice of intuition or also like just when we want to get more curious about what this fear or this sensation really is pointing us towards and revealing to us so the first thing that i would suggest to do here is to tune into the energy what is the tone of the voice or the energy of the message that you're noticing inside of you and then once you kind of feel into it you can even imagine it as this energetic stream and look at it as if it can't like look at it or experience it with all of your senses like how does it look how does it move how does it feel does it have a smell etc so kind of just noticing it and then once you have a grasp on it you have given it space and attention to ask yourself where is it coming from and this is a twofold thing where on one hand where in your body is it coming from and how does it feel in your body and then on the other hand, what is it connected to? Like whose voice is it? Is it yours? Is it someone else's? Does it come from certain past memories or old woundings? So where is it coming from? And then thirdly, what are the stories that this is, this story, this, huh, what are the stories this voice is creating or connecting you to? Get really curious of what is the storyline that is being uh, interwoven. And so it's going to take us many directions. And often, especially with this intuitive guidance, when we are guided to, when we are invited to expand and move forward, a lot of what ifs are going to come. Like, what if something goes wrong? <laughs> What if this happens? What if that la la? What if I make it the wrong decision? What if I fuck up? What if I lose everything, etc. And again, instead of just dismantling, because so often we go into the shushing ourselves, right? Okay, so this is a belief that does not support me in my growth, and we go, okay, I gotta cut it off. I, it's not something that resonates with me. My personal approach to this would be to invite it forward or even amplify it, give it space, examine this what ifs. And then we can go deeper into this, um, they call it fear mapping. When you, you can even like write them out, what if this goes wrong? What else, what is everything that can go wrong? Like better be safe than sorry. And what we're trying to create here is safety. <laughs> so. What if all of these things that could go wrong would actually go wrong? And then reflect on what would you do then? Would you survive this? How would you move through this? So again, we're bringing the fear forward instead of pushing it down, which again gives some kind of satisfaction to the mind because the mind will want to get involved <laughs> Um, and in this way, as we entertain it, we calm it down and it actually allows us to quiet it enough so that we can hear the voice of intuition deeper. 
Um, so once we feel into these fears, feel into these different voices, and we take care of them, we try to honor their needs, because yeah, so if this fear is wants to mm, stop us from moving forward because it perceives that situations as being unsafe, then how can we, in a way, calm it down into safety, bring it down into safety, reassure that we are in fact okay and safe. And on the other hand, to not override the positive what-ifs. So everything that can go wrong, bring it a counterbalance of, but what if it goes right? What all can go right? What are you being invited to expand into? How does that feel? <laughs> I love this. I, I feel that that brings so much, so much grounding to it as well. I, I actually personally really love this fear mapping exercise. Like I use it a lot when my mind tries to do it. I'm like, but what's really the worst yeah. thing that can happen? Are we actually gonna yeah, die? It definitely brings that nurturing component, which is the way that I want to approach all of these kind of windings and triggers. And then this question of, but what if it turns out that this intuition was wrong? <laughs> well, something we've been again <laughs> saying over and over again, there are no mistakes in life. There are just life experiences. Exactly. And it's all going to be a lesson. So exactly. also to ask ourselves, what is this situation teaching us? The learning process and the outcome. Sometimes it is so important to also, I, I fully agree with that. I think really not looking at life from this perspective of right and wrong and understanding that regardless of the decision we make is somehow going to bring us closer to yeah. our path. It has to. Um, but we can sometimes get outcomes that are what we perceive as undesirable. And there's like a very deep part of us, right, that basically starts screaming at us. It's like, this is not what we want, right? When you start getting this soul calling of being like, we have to change our path. And keeping in mind that you still may have taken exactly the steps that you needed to take to get you to that point to make the change you have to make the change you have to make to get to where you want to be. But at some point, it is also important to have this discernment and look back and say, okay, what were the things that got me to this stage though? Like understanding, was it actually my intuition or were there different factors, different ways in how I function in the world that got me to the place where I actually ideally would not like to be. So it's, I think, also important to occasionally take stock and just be like, okay, how did I get myself there? Was there, was there something that I acknowledged that it had to happen for one reason or another, but I would like to do it differently yeah, going yeah. forward? And here's the catch, right? When intuition is going to guide us into something that on a first glimpse, it seems like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Here is um, where I distinguish between common sense and soul sense. And they don't necessarily um, cancel each other. They go very well together. Because the thing is, this will not always make sense to others or based on the conditioning that we've had. But how does it make sense to you? in the bigger picture, <laughs> in the bigger story. 
However, yeah. that doesn't give us then a permission yeah. to, you know, be super irrational and just jump into it and call it intuition. Make intuition the excuse for exactly. doing some stupid shit. <laughs> and exactly. this is why intuition is exactly. also practical. Yeah? The this is where we introduce or this is where in, we introduce the Pisces Virgo axis model, which we kind of teased um, about in the previous in the first Pisces episode, which is Pisces is gonna be that zoom out of the situation, that bigger picture, that bigger longing, um, and that bigger intuitive longing. But then it works in its healthiest, highest expression when it's also paired with the healthiest, higher expression of the opposite sign that brings that again counterbalance of Virgo which is detail-oriented, and it zooms in. So where Pisces goes into bigger cycles, Virgo supports these bigger cycles by creating an everyday flow and a routine that supports this bigger picture. Where Pisces is about serving the spiritual, that deeper calling, Virgo pairs it with serving the worldly, because one of my favorite quotes ever by Alan Watts is the sacred and the mundane are one and the same. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. so if we're tuning mm -hmm. into our purpose with Pisces, Virgo helps us honor this purpose in concrete, practical manners. It brings in logic and a connection to our body, which is actually the gateway. The gate gateway? The gateway. <laughs> gateway to our intuition and our imagination the fantasy that Pisces brings and then with this Virgo archetype Virgo traits we bring this imagination a grounding a strategy strategy so that this flow trust and surrender in which we're oh, letting ourselves flow into that it can be paired with grounded action, practice, embodiment, and organization. It's probably one of my favorite axes in astrology. <laughs> yeah, this is a big part of, of the trusting of our intuition. What are the ways that you feel contribute to deepening this trust in our intuition? What are some of the ways that you approach this with? I like the approach a little bit of trial and error <laughs> that I, first of all, give it a chance. <laughs> I love that. It's, you know, sometimes you just have to, especially if you're a very oh, yeah. cerebral person, like I am, and I was raised in a way, and I think a lot of us have been raised in a way to just think everything through. Sometimes you just have to make a conscious decision that you're going to try an alternative. And you're going to try an alternative and see how it plays out for you and see what the effect of that is. A lot of the time for me, that actually means allowing myself to be more spontaneous because I can be very structured. I can very much like, you know, make my mind up about what I'm going to do and my day to day. And I don't allow much flexibility for it. But I'm trying also to shift that because you know, if you want your intuition to guide you, especially more on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, which we can talk a little bit more later on about human design, if there's time, but, you know, according to my human design profile, I meant to be guided that way. 
You have to allow yourself time and space to even do it. And then I think a really important component of this is honestly what we talked about before, which is looking at your fear, looking at your triggers, doing the inner child work, doing, doing, doing the shadow work, which we talked so much about in the Scorpio episode, to actually understand, to start gaining more insight into how to discern between conditioning and your intuition. And I think it's a bit like a muscle. You just have to practice, 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 yeah. and be willing to make mistakes and mistakes. And they're not really mistakes, right? If you're learning from them, but maybe sometimes just not actually listening to your intuition and listening to your ego, thinking it's your intuition and then kind of burning yourself and being like, oh, that was definitely my ego. But that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And it's an ongoing journey. Yeah. And allowing ourselves to make those messy steps, right? Yeah exactly yeah definitely definitely mm. yeah you know i think whew, we so often set ourselves up for something and make these promises of oh yeah make these promises to follow our intuition and honor these nudges and when making those promises since we still operate from the survival mechanisms so often we then don't honor those processes and you know we've all been there every <laughs> like, day i'm a list person too you know <laughs> yeah um how often well actually it helps me as a manifesting generator with all of the generators you know um, a little trick that i do to motivate myself to actually get shit done is to make a list and so encourage myself to respond mm -hmm. to my own list yeah um but yeah, still sometimes I'm going to be overly enthusiastic about totally. my capacity. Totally. To like all that. the time. <laughs> and I, yeah, but I feel like this is where we really dis, do disservice to building, strengthening this trust within, strengthening the trust in ourselves, yeah. Yeah. which is a big, you know, basic element that allows us to follow our intuition. Yeah. So when i was preparing for this episode <laughs> um, and i was thinking about ways to build trust again i was really inspired by this pisces virgo axis because i can slack on the practical manner so i really put some effort into it this time <laughs> and i made a list <laughs> um yeah so i have a few points to share if i may uh something that we have been stating over and over again is that inner child nurturing going to the core to the source of the distrust yeah where this all where this patterning has been created and it's usually in these feelings of unsafety disappointment abandonment rejection that has been created in childhood or even beyond um, so we want to go into this subconscious reprogramming or actually it, it, it is paired it, with conscious and unconscious reprogramming where the conscious part would be affirmations, kind of looking at the beliefs that we hold. What kind of meaning do we attach to certain situations, stories, external circumstances, or even mm, our own functioning, what, what, what God has given us. <laughs> And on the other hand, the 
nurturing or tackling the unconscious through hypnosis and deep meditation where we can also go deeper into the energy or actually adding a deeper emotional component to it or wave emotions through these whether through affirmations or when connecting to these deeper patternings um, within right and so to add to this i feel like it's really important to enhance our awareness of how we have already we are already being divinely guided and divinely means intuitively guided because yeah i see this as one of the same and if you are a list person too or it just helps to kind of put this energy more of an abstract or just very overwhelming informations into a more manageable form to like make a list if you need to i know virgo would be very supportive of that of how do you feel like you are already divinely intuitively guided how is intuition already speaking to you how are you already able to recognize it which also allows us to be pay more attention or be more alert when this intuitive nudges meet us but one of the most important pieces to this i truly believe is pairing intuition with grounded action so to create action steps and follow them through that when we get this intuitive message to also take it a step further and be like okay how do i honor that how do i actually show up for this guidance and the way to strengthen this um, again one of the most important ones I would say to make a plan how you're gonna honor this to be extremely practical and I've been currently doing a coaching program with Rachel Bell and something that she says which I really like is um, she equals failing to plan as planning to fail <laughs> um, so yeah how this planning is important uh, planning our time when we're gonna do it how we're gonna do it what do we need to honor this intuitive guidance how do you need to prepare um, to also ensure yourself that you've got it because often what we're not gonna honor the intuitive nudges when we don't know how to do it or we don't trust ourselves to be able to do it so when we plan we kind of show our minds that hey it is manageable here i made it out like i wrote it out for you and what i find very helpful here is also um visualizing this plan then or journaling the process describing the process in your journal because i don't know I, I really like to give an example of how our brain works when we try to reach for something the synapses have to and correctly correct me if i'm wrong i'm not an expert in this but i imagine this as synapses lining up to allow our body to make the move right well not really <laughs> Kind of, Damn yes, it. yes. You actually think the thing that may be more interesting to you is the fact that your body predicts what is going to happen when you think about it before it actually happens. Exactly. Right. Okay, super. Yes. I like this. Good enough for me. But I really find vi visualizing something happening 
it allows my body to just follow that because it already knows how to move through so it's much easier and that can also really help with resistance I find and then also knowing your hinging points or your activators when it's especially when it's an action intuitive action required that feels out of our comfort zone knowing what activates us what helps us get into the zone of honoring it moving forward connecting also to the why of like why are we trying to do this and it really helps i think to have a support system behind it whether it's you know your coaches your mentors Alia or me <laughs> um, or if it's not a professional support system or a group program even like an accountability buddy someone that you can connect with and explain your plan to and ask them to check in with you um, or ask them if you if they are open for you to let them know when you move forward on this action plan for example so I feel like connection is really important here, also to not do it alone. And uh, it can often make things more fun and pleasurable, which again makes us move from this resistance, pairing it with some, um, yeah, lighter approach. Plus finding people who have done this before people who have done what you are trying to do especially when it's a big move like in to be magnetic that both Alia and are are doing um by lacey phillips they call it expanders people who are already doing what you are inspired to do or embody certain qualities personality traits that you're trying to cultivate more of so basically role models and you know we can watch videos of people explaining this how they've done it reading books about it hearing other people's stories i feel like this is extremely helpful so i think it is always about mm, reprogramming our uh, conditioning into higher beliefs and that can be done through repetition devotion um, etc and pairing it with grounded action okay that's what i have prepared thank you <laughs> all right yeah but there are definitely many other ways to strengthen our relationship to our intuition and i'm wondering alia what would you suggest in a very practical terms <laughs> Well, to me, I always like to go to kind of common denominators of I, I don't think it's important to strengthen our intuition. I think it's important to release it from mm. being obstructed by our mind. Um, this I see as one of the biggest things. Our intuition's there. We don't need to strengthen our intuition. It's much more ancient. Exactly. But, but that's why I added our relationship to our intuition. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have to get out of... We have to get out <laughs> We gotta get if out. you wish <laughs> it's like you can do whatever you want to right however <laughs> if you're interested in being guided in ways different than just your mind you gotta connect it's all about reconnection with other aspects that also make you you yeah. and so a really big part of this is your body 
This is going to be a huge one. A lot of people today are very disconnected from their bodies simply because of the kind of world in which we live. Um, and that can be in so many different ways. I feel like checking in with your body can be as simple as, you know, I'm sitting there now doing this podcast, but I'm kind of, my attention is switching between, you know, I'm listening to what Eva Christina is saying. I'm kind of thinking about what I'm going to add to it, but I'm also just very aware of how my body feels in this very moment. I'm aware of the energetic currents happening in it. I am aware of if it feels tight somewhere, I'm aware of how I feel my temperature, et cetera. Mm. One thing that I find is really important when it comes to listening to your body, and that's like, you know, kind of Ayurveda 101, is to listen to your body's signals. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. If you gotta go pee, go pee. Mm -hmm. No, don't hold it in. Like these are like really small, bizarre things that we don't do these days anymore because you get so, you know, it's like, you know, the feeling when like you're working on something really hard and then you get out of it after like half an hour and you realize you've had to pee for the past two hours. Yeah. I, that's being outside of your body. So this is like a super simple ways of starting to do this. Um, that's such a good point. Because I feel like often we think intuition is going to just reveal us the secrets of the universe, but actually it can be in such simple, subtle, wordly manners, right? Yeah, I mean, sensing intuition in your body is all about sensing the pulsation of life force, yeah. right? You want to sense, and dance is beautiful because dancing is literally moving with the natural pulsation of this life force inside of you. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's something like, you know, ecstatic dance, or you're just putting on some music and moving in the way that feels good, right? Not following a choreography, but allowing your body to express whatever it would like to express. It can be super good for releasing stuck emotion yeah. and and the like and just movement in general being just touching your body giving yourself a self-massage can be a super nurturing way of reconnecting and being like oh how do I feel today yeah what are places that feel nice what are places that feel numb yeah. right it will tell you very quickly whether there is maybe stuckness in your body exactly and like this embodiment practices sometimes I feel like we see them as this um two hour long connecting with our bodies and sweating it out and screaming but it's actually like you said just like this simple little nourishing mm, moments with our bodies and they can be so small right yeah. it doesn't have to be a thing you book off an hour every day to do it it can really be you know, I, I'm working or reading on something and I will just rub my thighs as I'm doing this, you know, just like to feel this connection, like flesh on flesh, right? It's like, oh, I'm here. I'm in my body. And this starts, the good thing about this is when you get into your body and out of your mind, you're automatically calming down your nervous system, which means you're automatically working with the fear factor and you're automatically building trust. Your body starts to trust you. Mm -hmm. So they also, they all fit together, all of these little pieces that we talked about with it, with getting into your body and listening to it. So for me, this is like the number one. The number two, I would say, is then calming your mind. Mm -hmm. If you're a person today whose mind is super active, which I don't know, maybe there are some people out there who don't have that problem, but I don't know any of them, is that you need to find ways of 
not constantly being in your mind and constantly thinking. And I think the first step of that is becoming aware of how much you may be doing that. Because a lot of the time, I don't think we realize that we're constantly having some thoughts and constantly something's going on. And then finding ways to calm your mind. And this can be really different for different people. I mean, you know, a lot of the time, people will say, you know, maybe meditation. And meditation, obviously, I mean, can be so valuable, right? Like, I would always suggest everyone to try it out. But for some people, it may actually be really freaking hard at the start, right? Because you just become so aware of how crazy your mind is. So sometimes if you want to do something before, it can help to actually do a movement practice before that. It can help to breathe. So breath work is really good for it. Or even chanting, like mantras, sound, that can be really good for actually calming your your body. In, In Ayurveda, there's the understanding that our body has five layers. Mm-hmm. And if we go from the densest to the most subtle, it goes your physical body, right? So it's called your food body. So literally, if you touch yourself, that's like the first layer. Then the second is your energetic or pranic body. And that's really all of the biochemical processes happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cells like uh, enzymes moving around, like all of these things, carrying out processes. And then the third is your mental and emotional body. And then the fourth is your intuitive body. And so Ayurveda here here teaches us that if you want to be able to access your intuitive body and then bliss body that comes after it, which are the two bodies that are the closest to source and they connect us with the collective unconscious and all of those things we discussed in the previous episode, the first three layers of the body should be as balanced as possible. Mm -hmm. So on a physical level, that means taking care of your body from eating appropriate foods, not eating too much or too little, to giving yourself a self-massage and exercising and moving your body. And then that ties into the pranic, the second body, which is all about breath, right? So this is where breath work can really help expand it or even exercise, but something where you breathe a lot. Mm -hmm. And then mental and emotional body gets first of all balanced through the first two bodies being aligned but also through especially meditation silence and mantra so those are the things that are really used for it and these three bodies as they become more balanced the access to the fourth one so the intuitive body naturally arises so really it goes together with everything we talked about, right? Calming down your nervous system, taking care of your body, reconnecting with all of that, really reconnecting with yourself beyond your just mental body and keeping your mental body a little bit calmer than it tends to be these days. Yeah. Yeah, meditation is really crucial. Um, and I, th- I would invite everyone to also just med- meditation in any kind, but to meditate on your intuition like ask your intuition questions mm. and then write them out you can do free writing right intuitive writing where you just allow the intuitive stream of consciousness to flow through you and i think it's yeah really, that's fantastic mm-hmm. and i think it's really powerful when it's um combined with in intention intention setting is such an important way of directing the energy um and that goes, um, yeah, for your meditations, for your everyday life, even setting an intention that you want to connect deeper with your intuition or that you want to 
allow this intuition to speak through you more clearly um, and intimately. And I, I do see it as our relationship to ourselves, our relationship to our intuition. So to nurture this relationship, one of, uh, one of the practices that we could do is just ask ourselves one intuitive question a day and then following it through. Like waking up in the morning and asking in, intuitively, okay, what feels like is important to me, for me to do today to honor my intuition? And then pairing it with that commitment <laughs> to following through with this. And this is how you also then build trust with your intuitive flow. It's interesting because when I started... When I first bought my tarot deck, I bought it to connect deeper with my intuition. And once I started playing with the cards, I realized that it wasn't so much about... When I started playing with my cards, I realized that it was much more a practice of trusting myself. That I didn't trust myself mm -hmm. to be able to interpret the messages, the meanings, the symbolism the pretty drawings on cards. So if you're playing with tarot, I invite you to put the little booklet aside, even though the stories that are presented there are beautiful and of course really helpful. But I think it's really fun and good <laughs> in strengthening the intuitive flow to just look at the picture symbolism and see what is flowing through. And you know, it's the same with the dreams. Another beautiful way that, let's say, God is speaking to us. I see dreams as these intimate conversations that we're having with our subconscious and with our soul. And it's a beautiful way to practice listening. And often um, people would say that they don't remember their dreams. Um, and again, the power of intention can really help here to set intentions every evening before going to bed to remember your dreams in the morning and then my suggestion is to keep if you're into this of course to keep a dream journal next to your bed so that you can um, write the dreams down every morning right when you wake up before you grab your phone and start with other distractions, when decoding dreams and going into the, this dream analysis process, I would encourage to not go to internet and different booklets to see what certain symbolism is, but to just write out the dream symbols, like in very key words, key energies, and see what the meaning of the symbols are to you how does it intuitively speak to you personally because it's going to be very different and then try to put this meaning in different contexts in different areas of life and see how this patterning is playing out what might be the messages that are being communicated through you through these dreams and just as i think dream work is extremely fun and beautiful also very important to not get too hooked on it, to not take it too seriously and literally. 
Would you say some anything else? I think, as you said, it's more of the when you're exploring the dreams, you're exploring your subconscious. Mm -hmm. So there's no right or wrong way of doing it. So it's much more getting attuned to the energies that it represents. Mm -hmm. And maybe over time, getting curious about the main themes that are opening up. Yeah. More than being like, oh, this is what this exactly means. Like, it doesn't really work like that. It reflects the energetics that are present in your subconscious. And it can through that, give you a greater insight into what are some of the patterns or general, yeah, general patterns present in your day-to-day -day life, general energetic blueprints present in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. That's how I use it, at least. And exactly. And again, what is it inviting you into? Like, based on these realizations, once you released the story of the dream and connected to the essence of the messages, what is it inviting you into? And how can you honor that? through those action steps, action steps. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, just this, you know, prioritizing, setting intention to make your life an intuitive flow, to honor, to allow yourself to move into this intuitive living. Even when, you know, you, you mentioned so many beautiful spiritual practices that we can do to um, connect to our intuition deeper. But even with those, how can we create an intuitive approach to them? So that it's not like, oh, now I'm going to meditate for 15 minutes in silence. Here's the timer. Although for some time that might serve you too until you cultivate some consistency or devotion or deeper connection but also just asking yourself what would be the most loving thing for me to do right now in terms of deepening my spiritual connection what would feel connecting right now to ask your intuition what spiritual practices would be the most helpful to you right now and move from there and that can be not only for spiritual practices, but for everything we do in life, how we move through life. So I think this is my main invitation here. And both Ali and I are truly working and living towards that. So if you want to come and party with us in more <laughs> intuitive ways, we have many offerings and doors open for you to connect with us and co-create yeah we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys yeah. as always oh that was that has been a beautiful bonus um <laughs> and i'm wondering if your intuition is wanting you to send off any last messages yeah i think it's just you know there are so many ways in which you can get there but also use your intuition with that if there's a specific system that attracts you like that being tarot astrology human design ayurveda you know all paths lead to rome right <laughs> all paths lead to god exactly follow your joy follow something that inspires you something that excites you and see how that can help you on the journey of tapping into your intuition and strengthening your relationship with it Mm. yeah my final contribution to this would be that oh, 
we are always always intuitive intuitively and divinely guided and supported and so it's just a matter of recognizing that so really an invitation of yeah how can we drop deeper into this awareness and recognition of the divinity that is always everywhere around us. Mm, okay, we floated well, I think. <laughs> I want to thank our intuition for guiding us here, for flowing through us. And I want to honor the intuition of all of our listeners. Yeah, for being guided to this <laughs> the seasonal explorations portal. <laughs> it's like good, good intuition, guys. Well done. Yeah. Definitely See, you to got it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the confirmation you've been um, waiting for. Granted. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And we're really looking forward to parting with you some more in the next episode. Yeah, and if your intuition guides you to connect with us even deeper and for further know that our doors are open to you yes and you can find the details to our doors in the show notes below <laughs> Doo -doo -doo! making it practical to end with beautiful <laughs> much love guys much love <laughs> bye bye, bye.